Good evening, everybody. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined by Paul Weiss for our Steelers post-game show here on postgazette.com, the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel, um, various other social networks. After a 31-17 Steelers loss to the Buffalo Bills in the wildcard round of the playoff, um, Paul, I, I think we saw it coming. I think Buffalo was clearly the better team. Ten-point favorites rarely win, even though, you know, the, as the seventh seed, I think Green Bay looked pretty good last night. This was always going to be a tough one to win, uh, but grading on that scale, Paul, what did you think of the result tonight? I, I think what's really disturbing, Adam, to about, the, about this whole thing, yet another playoff game, they're down 21 nothing before you even really get started. I mean, that you can't come back and win. You know, I guess the the Bills did it to the Oilers back in the day, but that is the most disturbing thing. It's not that they lost the game; it's that this is what I, I think I did the math, Adam. They've been down at halftime in their last five playoff games, one twenty-two to forty. You can't win in the playoffs doing that. After that, I don't care what happens. You know, okay, Deontay Johnson made some nice plays, and here and there, and the other. You're down twenty-one to nothing. And really, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. It'd be easy if you say, well, you know, Mason Rudolph was terrible. Well, he didn't fumble the ball like, you know, George Pickens did, right? He missed a couple of throws early. Absolutely. He didn't, but, but then he turns the ball over in the, in the end zone. But he didn't allow Josh Allen to run 65 yards down the middle, basically on a quarterback draw. He didn't allow the Bills to go 85 yards on their first drive and score a touchdown. It looked like they weren't even there. He didn't allow one play after uh, the, the fumble by, was it Pickens or whoever it was? I think it was Pickens that fumbled. The next play, they play, they score 25-yard touchdowns or whatever it was. At the end of the day, it's not just one thing or one player. That's the problem. And I think that's the thing about this whole thing with Mike Tomlin. What planet, okay, what planet would any other coach be allowed to hang around after five consecutive blowout, blowout playoff losses and seven years in a row without a playoff win. I don't want to hear about not, never had a winning, uh, losing season and all that crap because to me, none of that really matters. What matters is what you do in the playoffs, and it's not that they've lost a few games. I mean, they've never really been in any of these games, have they, Adam? Was there ever a point in this game where you thought, Boy, they're in this game. Even when they made, even when they cut it to what, 21-14 or whatever it was, I still never kind of felt like, wow, they're really in this game. Well, I, you know, I will say this, Paul. I thought they settled in reasonably well. I think if you start the game at halftime and you play from there and the way they played, I think they were in this game. And I, you know, they made some mistakes on that last um, you know, with that well, it wasn't the last drive, the last touchdown for Buffalo, but that last, you know, kind of backbreaking drive with about five minutes left. Um, you know, I thought they were in the game from the point where they where they started making all the mistakes. It's just to your point, Paul. It, it had it felt kind of like that Browns game a couple of years ago, where you're snapping the ball over people's heads, and um, you know that, that you're putting yourself so far behind the eight ball that even the good things that happen after that point don't really matter. And 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 I think that's that's the big struggle for them right now is you know you, you keep putting yourself behind the eight ball, and, and maybe you could have played with that team if you don't do that tonight. Right. They made mistakes. They fumbled. They had some penalties, right? They had some breakdowns on defense. Um, you know, again, if it's one year where that happens, okay, but this is now five playoff games in a row where you're down 21 to nothing or 28 to nothing or 28 to seven or whatever, you know, it just, it's, it doesn't, 
you, you, you can't win playoff. Listen, in the playoffs, you're playing the best teams. You're playing good teams. So if you get behind like the Steelers have in all these playoff games, it just, it doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't work. And so I, 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 I'm not going to overreact to one game and say, oh, well, but this is now five games and this is now seven seasons without a playoff win. It, 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 it's at some point, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting different results. So to me, I mean, we can break down the game and we will here in a few minutes. Right. But at the end of the day, the, the problem that has existed, I think, for the last five, six, seven years continues to exist. And that is they get into the playoffs against good teams and they're they're blown out of the building before the game even starts. Yeah, Paul, I do want to talk about some individual yeah. moments of this game uh, before we get too far into it. I want to thank our primary sponsor for this episode and every episode of the Steelers post game show this year on uh, the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Paul, I want to talk about some individual efforts because – um, you know, we can talk about Mike Tomlin all night, but there were plays that were there to be made tonight. I think of that Peterson sack that he misses in the first half. Um, I think of the missed tackle by DeMonte KZ on that long uh, Josh Allen touchdown. I think of Minka Fitzpatrick blowing that touchdown. Um, you know, he, he had a chance to stop the touchdown, and then Shakir runs um, whatever it was, 30 yards into the end zone for effectively the game-ending touchdown. Um, there were a lot of the plays like that on, on defense tonight, Paul. Um, for as much as you can talk about coaching, they put you in a position to make stops and you don't make those stops. What is the deal with this defense and, and how many more years are the Steelers going to go into playoff games, relying on them to like turn back the clock to 2005 and, and just shut teams down when, when we've seen that this core group of guys just in, when the, when the lights are brightest, they just don't make the plays. Well, that, I mean, that would speak to the fact that they don't have good enough players. I mean, they're just not good enough. I mean, you, you hope that some of these younger guys are getting better, but they've got a lot of guys that just are sort of okay. Um, I think the defense obviously misses T.J. Watt. You you put him in the game, but you know, again, five you know five playoff games in a row now. There's always some excuse if you really want to keep finding excuses. And the reality is, at some point, you've got to make plays. But some guys, like if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but was it Pat Patrick Peterson that maybe had a chance to make that sack? He's a guy that's done, you know? I mean, what they have in the middle, it's, it's just not good enough. Um, so, uh, you know, it is, it, 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 it's frustrating as, as heck. Um, they need better players in certain spots. I think, you know, they've got some good young players, but they're not good enough yet. So uh, if you can, uh, you know, continue uh, on here, Adam, I got to uh, bust out for a couple of minutes. I'll be right back, okay? Yes, Paul's going to take it off for a couple of seconds. Um, I'm just going to continue and and um, you know mention that I think that that I really put a lot of blame on on the players for this one. Tomlin, um, you know, he put them in good position tonight, and and I think what you saw was um, you know guys that, that weren't up to the individual standards to to win games, and and I think that was an unfortunate aspect. Thought Mason Rudolph rebounded early, settled in. Um, I thought a lot of these guys settled in. I thought the running game settled in pretty well. You had, um, you know, some good runs. 
you, you had some good dump off passes to Jalen Warren. They kind of got into their offense a little bit. Um, you know, it, it, it was just a little bit, you know, too little, too late. I mean, you look at the stats here, 22 of 39 for Mason Rudolph. He missed too many uh, throws early. I thought averages 5.9 yards per attempt. That's not good enough. Uh, Tony Romo was mentioning on the broadcast, he thought that they could have taken some more deep shots. That was, that was something I'd agreed with. Um, but, you know, that's a theme we've come back to all season as well. Sometimes they're not there. And, um, you know, it's hard for us at home to, to kind of know without the all 22 cam, without being able to see the whole field, you know, what's available and what's not. Um, we'll keep going down the stats here a little bit. Jalen Warren, eight carries for 38 yards. That's 4.8 yards per attempt. Pretty decent. Um, Najee Harris was not quite as good. 12 carries for 37 yards. You finish with 106 yards on the ground, though. Average 4.6 per attempt. Um, you know, so the ground game was there. They settled in all right. Um, you get into the, the receiving game. Pat Fryermuth has a nice game. Five catches, 76 yards, averages five, uh, 15.2 yards a catch. Finally get him involved. It's been an up-and-down season for him. You think about that game at Cincinnati where he pretty much dominated the Bengals, was, was a big part of the reason um, that they were able to win that game. Um, George Pickens, five catches, 50 yards, but has the huge fumble tonight. Um, man, what a season for him. And I, I think that's really a, a down note for him to end the year on. That, that fumble is, is pretty much where – you know, what you're going to remember, despite those late heroics in those last three games to help get them to this point. Um, you can't have those mistakes. It's, it's a cold night. And I, I think that played more of a, a role in this game than, um, you know, I think a lot of Steelers fans were hoping. There was a lot of talk about, hey, th- if the Steelers can can get into a blizzard type of game in Buffalo, maybe they can <laughs> maybe they can, can dominate Buffalo on the ground a little bit, dominate them in the trenches, muck it up, um, take away a lot of the advantages that, that Josh Allen – brings to to the equation um you know I, I think tonight kind of showed that maybe there wasn't a whole lot of validity to that because i think that you can tie a lot of those those fumbles um to the, the fact that the Steelers didn't seem prepared to play in in that cold in that weather um obviously pat fryermuth's got wiped out the fumble forward uh but man i thought that i thought that that looked like a, a fumble um and a recovery by buffalo I think they showed the one angle where it might have bounced off of Fryermuth's helmet, but then I saw another where it didn't look like it got anywhere close to him. Um, you know, it, it, it looks like it looked like a, a fumble, and so you know that that should have been another mistake that was added to the pile. Um, keep going down the stats here: Deontay Johnson, four catches, forty-eight yards, kind of a quiet night other than the touchdown, um, and then you know pretty much into bit players. Um, it was nice to see Calvin Austin after the season he's had score a touchdown I, I was surprised that, that at the year he had and that he wasn't more involved there were a lot of weeks Paul and I were on these types of shows talking about you know he was supposed to be a big piece of this offense and there were long stretches where you didn't see him this season um you know but a nice nice time for him to get involved um Alan Robinson with a couple of catches Presley Harvin man what a, what a rough night for for the punter I'm scrolling down here on the stats four punts average of 38.5 yards a long of 51. If you took that out, I think he was averaging like 32, 33 yards a punt. Um, thankfully, the Steelers, he didn't see the field much in the second half because he was because the offense was you know scoring or uh, threatening to score. So you kind of limit the damage there. I'll be very curious to see what they do with him, though, uh, going into next season, considering um, you know he, he, he had a lot of up and down games. There were, there were days you, you saw him and you were – Saw the Ray Guy award winner, right? Um, and and you saw the guy that could have been the punter of the future. And then there were games that he just shanked them a lot. And and I think you know they're going to have to do more this offseason than just bring in 
some guy off the road to compete with him. I think they're going to have to look for some serious options to either make him compete for that job next year or or possibly replace him because because that field position early in the game was a big part of the reason you know Paul and I are talking about that that they looked unprepared. Well, the, the fields were shorter than they should have been for the Bills, and and Presley Harbin, um, you know, was a big part of that. Also, I thought the the clock management was very suspect at the end of the first half. Um, of about what fifty seconds left, you, you make a tackle on first down. You have all three timeouts left. Buffalo doesn't have a punter, uh, or at least you know at that time, I don't think he would have been ready to go into the game and kick. I think they mentioned, I think Jay Feely mentioned on the broadcast that he went in at halftime, maybe got um, an injection that that helped him, you know, punt in the second half, comes back in. But at the time, they showed the the Buffalo sideline. It looked like a little bit of chaos to me. It did not look like they had a plan before the first half whistle. So, but Mike Tomlin lets the the clock run to two seconds. Uh, I think Paul's back here. Hey, Paul. Yeah, I'm back for a few more minutes. I I think it's ridiculous. Adam, you were just speaking about the other thing. Why let it run down and then two seconds left you call a timeout? I didn't understand that at all. I didn't understand what the goal of that was. You just had some. I felt like he figured out right as we did, Paul, and remembered that the, the punter was injured. I felt like I, the <laughs> broadcast was saying it was almost like he was figuring it out in real time. With right, but, 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 but Adam, my point is, why not use your timeouts earlier than that? I don't, think was, he knew, I don't think he really – I don't think he really thought that the – I don't think he remembered that the punter was injured, Paul, to be honest with you. My, that was my read is that he right, didn't but think you the punter just was injured. A touchdown. You kind of got into the game a little bit. You just had some momentum. If you get a stop, get your ball back for your defense for your offense. Maybe they go down, even if they get a field goal. Now all of a sudden you're back in the game for real. I yeah, mean, no, I agree. The, the, they should have the, been they should have been calling those timeouts, the, but I don't think he. Re- I think he was content to get into halftime down fourteen, not realizing that they probably would have gotten decent field position given the punting situation the Buffalo had. The motto of the last three weeks, though, Adam, has been "Don't live in your fears," right? We're going to what is it? Scared money don't lose or scared money don't make money and all that other stuff, right? That's been the motto of the last X amount of weeks. Okay, so if that's the case, then why in that situation there are you not calling timeouts immediately to try and get the ball back? Because you're scared that Buffalo might go down the field and score if you give them more time. That's really what it comes down to. The Steelers were just as content to go into the locker room as the Bills. The difference is the Bills had a 14-point lead. So yeah. I, I, I don't understand how you can go scared money, don't make money, and all that other stuff, right? And then for three weeks, it works, and that's your motto. And then at the end of the day, uh, now all of a sudden, you're talking about how, well, we're just going to let the clock run out. You should have been trying to get the ball back regardless of what it was happening with the punter. Yeah, there was not enough aggression there. Paul, I know no. we're going to lose you here in a little bit. I want to ask you about the Mason Rudolph-Kenny Pickett situation going into next season. You and I have talked a lot about it. Um, we've always done it in terms of if if Mason Rudolph does this, if the Steelers do this, well, the season's over. Uh, Mason Rudolph was what he was tonight, not his best effort. Um, where do you see that situation now? Has anything changed in your mind in terms of Kenny Pickett being the guy knowing going into next season? Or, or did you see enough from him tonight to say, hey, maybe he needs to come in and compete? Well, as you know, I've said all along, I think that Kenny, that Kenny Pickett will be the starter, that Mason Rudolph will be wearing a different uniform. Nothing I saw tonight changes that, Adam. In fact, tonight probably solidifies the fact that the Steelers will be able to walk away from Mason Rudolph and say, you know what? 
you know, I uh, played two bad defenses, all yada, 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 this and that and the other thing, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what it comes down to. So I, I don't think for one second, I really don't think for one second that there's going to be any consideration of bringing back Mason Rudolph at the end of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious because you do – listen, I mean, if you're talking about what you do at quarterback, these are the games that you prove that, that you belong, right, and, and that you separate yourself from Kenny right. You go out and you win playoff games, and at the very least you 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 um, you know put up a better fight than I think Mason Rudolph did tonight. No, you know, no disrespect to what he did in the second half of the season, but if you're going to be the future of the franchise at quarterback, this is the type of game that you have to play better than you, than you did tonight. Um, and, and just because you were good enough to keep them in the game does not mean you, you, you did put the exclamation point on your season that you needed to to prove that you be, you know belong here, need to stay here, and, and get a chance to unseat um, Kenny Pickett. Paul, I also want to get your thoughts on um, a couple of those calls that, that were pretty curious um, on Miles Jack on that last touchdown drive by Buffalo. Um, first, there was the holding call where the ball was nowhere near catchable. Um, I thought that was a, a, a BS call. I guess you can call holding, um, but it's it's one of those criticisms I've seen from a lot of people, Paul, of the NFL guys, they, they love to call these procedural penalties that have no impact on the play. Well, the thing about that is if you call holding there, Adam, it's when the ball's in the air, right? It's it's actually um, – holding is before the ball's in the air, actually. I'm sorry. Before the ball's in the air. So they're, they're not looking at the throw there if they're calling defensive holding. Now, if they call pass interference, that would have been a terrible call. Uh, but when you call defensive holding, it's before the, the ball's in the air is when you're throwing is when you're calling the defensive holding. So the, the, the throw there really has nothing to do with, you know, what actually the call was. And then the next call was that slide, right, where somebody hit Josh Allen when he was on the ground. That's an easiest call. That's the easiest call in the book to make. I don't know if I like it or don't like it, but it's a, it's a textbook call. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Paul. Should that have been a penalty on Miles Jack in the in terms of like should that be in the rule book? I think that's debatable. I understand why people hate that it is a penalty, but if you're gonna call penalties for, for plays like that, and they're gonna be, like you said, the textbook example, I don't know how you don't make the penalty call there. And that that doesn't mean that we like it, but but I think that was by the letter of the law what it should have been. Yeah, I mean again, I think it is letter of the law. That's the key. I mean, to me it's an easy call. I had, you know, and I, both of those calls, because of the way that they were called, I really didn't have that much of a problem with it. There was a couple of holds that were missed. But you know what, Adam? They're going to miss calls. From time to time, they're going to miss calls. Um, this game was lost early in the first part of the game when when we, you know, when the Steelers didn't capitalize early and then the, the Bills got up 14, 21-0. You're not coming back 21 nothing against a good team. You're just not. How big of a difference does TJ Watt make in this game if he's in, Paul? We had a couple people in the comments pointed out. We should mention, yeah, he was not in this game. I don't know how, how much of a difference he makes um, just because I think they were saying in the lead-up to this game that Josh Allen was one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league. The Steelers still get to him a couple of times. Um, I thought Alex Highsmith had a pretty decent game. Um, in the end, I don't know how much of a difference TJ Watt makes given, given how things played out. Yeah, you know, I think that he makes a difference, but I don't think he changes the outcome of the game. You know, he doesn't. I got to join. I'll join you back in a minute. Let me yeah, Paul will be back in a minute. Um, I'll just say my piece on that. I, I, th I think just given the way the the Bills play offense, they get the ball out quick. They, they protect Josh Allen well. They have not given up many sacks all season. Um, you know, maybe maybe you make – I think the, the difference he could have made is 
blow up a play, uh, do some of that stuff that we saw in that Browns game at Hi- or Acrisure Stadium earlier this season where, you know, you make the big plays to, to um, keep the team in the game. I think short of that, I don't think another sack or two changes the outcome a, a whole lot here. I think the Bills were just better than the Steelers in the trenches tonight. Um, so, you know, tough – Tough assignment for him. I think to me, and I'm going to ask, we're going to have Paul come back shortly, and then Christopher Carter will be joining us in a little bit. Uh, one of the questions I want to talk about is Minka Fitzpatrick and, and what should his long-term future be as part of this defense? Safety is um, not a place that a lot of teams in the NFL invest a lot of money. We've seen the Steelers kind of patch that position up during his injury absence, um, right, with Eric Rowe, Patrick Peterson even in st- stepping in there at times. Um, they've proven they've proven that they they can play without Minka Fitzpatrick over over long periods of time. You bring him back this week, and and I think you know a lot of people talk to me, you pay these guys to make the big plays in these games. And not only does he not make the big plays, but he's a liability on on some of the long plays that that determine the game. You know, I know he's under contract, recently signed to an extension, but um, you know, in, in terms of his long long term in Pittsburgh, this is the kind of game that I think casts some some questions over you know, what his long-term should be here. Um, while we're waiting for Paul to come back, just want to th- thank a couple more of our sponsors, Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Um, folks, a couple other topics I have written down here. Let me go down my shot sheet. Um, uh, getting into the, the the year for George Pickens, um, I, I wonder I wonder what, what, what he's going to say after the game. Um, I wonder what the reaction is going to be. He, he, Mason Rudolph, and this is where I think the conversation gets interesting about what you do at quarterback next season. I thought Mason Rudolph kept him much more engaged in some of these games this season um, where, where he'd get frustrated with Kenny Pickett and you'd have um, all kind of frustration on the sidelines. It felt like he knew Mason Rudolph could get him the ball and, and he felt a, a lot better. Um, but then on the sideline tonight, you saw the frustration he thought he was interfered with on, on one of those late throws. Doesn't make a difference in the outcome, but you saw some of the same stuff on, on the sideline, but he didn't seem frustrated with teammates. He seemed frustrated with the officials, which, you know, I think, you know, is that, is it a sign of progress, a sign of maturity from him? Um, maybe so, I, I think, but I, I'd be very curious to see how he handles this loss um, and, and his level of accountability uh, for that fumble um, going down the line here. I'm curious to hear what you guys in the comments have to say about the hit on Joey Porter that uh, apparently knocked him out with a concussion or concussion-like symptoms. Um, Connor McGovern from the Bills comes from behind and and kind of smushes Joey Porter's head. Um, no no penalty on on that, um, and and Joey Porter's left out of the game. But there has been you know some talk of of whether that um, you know w- was a dirty hit. Um, I, I thought I was a little bit dirty from behind. And listen, you know, Connor McGovern's a Penn State guy. Uh, I went to Penn State, not trying to, um, you know, slander anybody, but I, I thought that that was a pretty dirty play and, and probably should have been flagged, um, especially considering some of the, the, the calls they made in this game. I thought it was a bad game for these officials. 
um, you know, between the Firemuth Rumble that I thought should have gone the other way on the Steelers um, and, and the Miles Jack penalty, they just didn't seem to know what they were doing out there. Um, just kind of, <laughs> they were, they conferred for like five minutes, the, the official, you know, the, the Highmark Stadium crowds booing them loudly. I think all of us at home were all screaming at our sets. That's not a catchable ball. It's not a catchable ball. Um, but it was better than making a 23-yard interference call on on Miles Jack for listen the ball was was ten yards out of bounds there was no way the guy was was catching that pass so I listen if you're going to f- correct the call it was at least better that they didn't call pass interference um, let's let's go down the the stats here a little bit more um, Minka Fitzpatrick ends up with ten tackles leads the team in tackles but you know I, I think some questions about the way he played tonight Eric Rowe though I, I'm going to be very curious to see uh, what they do with him next season uh we got chris dell sports editor joining us hey chris how are you hey adam how's it going man pretty good hey man i've been holding up by myself here give me your thoughts on this game oh man uh you know it's unfortunate obviously with slow start i thought that really the game changer was the interception in the red zone i'm not sure if you guys uh how much you covered that of that so far but to me that was the turning point you know that was the chance the steelers to cut it to seven points there in the beginning i was a little surprised that they went away from the run game as early as they did, uh, you know, Jalen Warren even was running the ball pretty well. I thought maybe they should have stuck to that just a little bit longer. Seems like that was kind of the Steeler way in the t- in the cold weather type of situations that they found themselves in tonight. But unfortunately, that you know, you look at that one play there. That's a seven point two possession possible swing, and I think overall, you know, they did what they needed to do in the second half. But putting themselves in that two touchdown hole early was just too much to overcome in the end. Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the more controversial elements of this game, um, specifically, you know, the way the defense played tonight. Um, I was talking to about Minka Fitzpatrick a little bit before you hopped on here. Rough night for him. I mean, misses that tackle on that last Shakir touchdown. Um, was a lot of people on social media were dogging him for um, not, you know, running out that that other long touchdown play. What did you think of, of of the way he played tonight and and whether he was up to the standard of a, a guy who makes as much money as, as he does for this defense? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's had kind of a rough season overall. I think when you look at his efficiency metrics from the beginning of the season, uh, some people have pointed to the fact that the Steelers' defense as a whole has played better without him this year. And obviously he's a big name, like you said, locker room leader, I guess, to this point as well. But – the real issue here is not not having T.J. Watt. And I think that the fact that you could say, yeah, Fitzpatrick has paid, paid this much, but he's not that X factor on the field that matches up with his salary. So, again, like there were those misplays. At the end of the day, he leads the team with 10 tackles, but it's a little misleading when you look at the tackle department there. I thought the coverage could have been a lot better in certain areas and scenarios. Obviously, them losing Joey Porter Jr. a little bit late to the end obviously affected things too. But I, I think it's a lot. most Steelers fans know at this point that they're not looking for Fitzpatrick to be the difference maker at this point. And, th- and that's unfortunate given his contract. And, th- and that's kind of how that's, it played that's out. What I was, that's why I was going to hop in and say, like he's being paid to be a difference maker. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, and, and safety is one of the positions that you invest the least in, in roster building across the NFL. Um, and, and we saw at times with the guys that were able to step in, Eric Rowe, Patrick Peterson, um, you know, and they got decent, decent safety play without Fitzpatrick. How long can you can justify paying a safety that way if he's not going to at least not be a liability in in, the, in a game like this the way he was tonight? I think it's one thing if he's not 
you know, because, you know, turnovers are hard to generate, right? If, if it was easy to do, a lot more guys would do it. I don't hold it against them. They didn't necessarily make a game-breaking play tonight, but but you got to get more than that, I think. Yeah, I think the pre- – you know, look at the bright side. I thought there were some positives out of the defense overall. You mentioned Rowe. He was impressive on multiple occasions tonight. I thought Porter, for the most part, played pretty well. I thought that even on the inside, Cam Hayward, the defensive line, we saw Alex Highsmith make a couple plays there too. I thought they got decent pressure – on Josh Allen, yeah, there was a couple of missed tackles on Allen, but you know, you'd be more disappointed if that was against a different quarterback. That's kind of what you get with Josh Allen. He's just so big, so physically talented that he's going to break those type of tackles and make those long gains, especially with that type of weather. I mean, that's, that's the last guy in the field I want to tackle out of those two teams uh, in, in this situation with the weather being so cold. But I, I, I was really impressed by Landon Roberts on a few occasions. I mean, that one pass deflection he had. Uh, going towards the intermediate parts of the field that saved them a touchdown there. Thought that was a really impressive play. So I, I thought the defense did play well. You know, how much would a, would TJ Watt have been a factor? I know you say, you know, you say often in the betting community that only quarterbacks really move the line. I think in this situation, TJ Watt's one of those few defenders in the league where he could affect the line as total of maybe you know, three to six points or more, given the impact in a playoff game like this. And they sorely missed him tonight. So Uh, it's interesting to see where the franchise goes after this into the summer, right? Regardless of the coaching situation, because uh, Mason Rudolph played okay, but I don't know if he really played enough, uh, well enough to really give him that long leash heading into the off season. So that, 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 that's kind of one of the big question marks going into the summer for sure. Christopher Carter joining us. Uh, Chris, uh, give me your thoughts on, on this game. I'll just let you, let you run on, on what you saw in the big picture here. I mean, I think this is a game where there was a strict path that you needed to walk here, and you didn't. You needed to be able to run the football, and you needed to be able to win the turnover battle. You lost the turnover battle very early, and then that prevented you from ever running the football because you went down very early. And that continues to be a theme in the Steelers' playoff. I know a lot of people are going to point to the defense, but you look at the last four playoff losses, 49 combined points and points off turnovers in these games. That's a huge part of this. You go to this game and unforced errors too. Like you're talking about George Pickens, a, a, an easy nine yard, well-developed route in a, in a, in a good call gets the Steelers a chance to move the ball on their second drive of the game. And then he just fumbles it in a, in a key situation, Pat Fryermuth fumbling it on the next drive, uh, you know, and almost costing the Steelers even more. And then Mason Rudolph getting to the red zone second and goal. And he forces a bad pass in a situation he didn't need to, where he could have just kind of thrown that away and, and, and lived for the next play. And you look at those two moments, those, those buried the Steelers early and, in the second half of the game, you can see, or even in the final like four minutes of the of the of the first half, and then the second half of the game, you could see the Steelers were able to go back and forth with the Bills if they weren't turning the ball over. Even if they don't necessarily win the turnover battle, they just don't lose it by two. That's a much better football game. If Mason Rudolph even flips that from being an interception for the Bills uh, to a field goal for the Steelers. That's a 10-point swing in a game that they lost by 14, and you're talking about a much better course of the game for the rest of the game. And that I think that's the, the bottom line is that when you got into that hole, you couldn't lean on that run game. Um, you know, and that's uh um that that's that's where I think that's where a big thing uh comes after comes after the Steelers is that they never got to play their style of football. I do think Mason Rudolph deserves a ton of credit for hanging in this game and s- sticking it out. I think he showed a lot of guts in the way that he performed. Um, but um, I, I also think that this was this was a game where you needed to walk a specific path to beat a team like the Bills, and from the jump, you did not walk it. 
Chris, I want to get your thoughts on the quarterback situation. I was talking to Paul a little bit about whether it changed the trajectory of the offseason one way or the other for you in, in terms of what they do with bringing Mason Rudolph back, having him compete with Kenny Pickett, maybe look outside the organization. Uh, Paul's been saying all, all, all season, he think, or at least the last month or so, that it's going to be Kenny Pickett's job and, and nothing he saw tonight changed that. Where do you think they go from here at quarterback? Um, I think that here's what's going to happen. Mason Rudolph is going to test free agency. He's going to want a chance to be able to say, hey, you know, did, did anyone like what I did in the last three games of the season? And did anyone like at least the effort that I gave in a playoff environment? Um, and I think that the conversation is going to be different this time around for him in, in free agency because he got no offers in, in, in free agency this year. And he he even said, you know, to us in one of our one of the post game post game sessions we had with him. Uh, I think it was after the Bengals game where he admitted, like, I was considering taking up commercial real estate after this season. Um, and so I think he's in a better situation than that. But I'm not sure if a team's going to give him a big starting quarterback contract. The question will be, does he get a big backup quarterback contract? Does he get the kind of deal the Steelers gave Mitch Trubisky uh, when they extended him last year? If they give him that, I could totally see the Steelers uh, not being able to keep him there because, you know, I think that they're a team that has a lot of things to build. And you're talking about maybe anywhere from five to eight million dollars for a backup quarterback. That's not easy money when you're trying to fix a lot of things. The team that's going to need a new center, they're going to need a new offensive tackle to pair with Roderick Jones. Probably going to need more help on the defensive line. Probably, you know, probably going to need maybe another safety or a cornerback or another linebacker if they, depending on what they do with Quan Alexander, because uh, with his one-year deal, they're, they're going to need to answer several different things this offseason. And backup quarterback may be, you know, the, the tough season. But there's also the question I know some people are asking. What about Mason as the starting quarterback? You know, I think if you're able to afford to bring him back, you go into this 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 training camp and you say, "All right, Kenny Mason, we'll give you both an e- even ground to fight for this job and to and to prove who should who should be the starter." I think that that's a fair approach, but I also don't think it should be out of the consideration that the Steelers look in the NFL draft for talent this year. And I'm not saying a first round pick because I'm not sure if they'll get the the pure first round graded guys uh, where they'll be drafting. I'm not sure what their draft position is right now, but I'd assume in like the low twenties. Um, but, uh, if you, if you're sitting there in the second or third round and maybe like Michael Penix has fallen, has fallen to you that I wouldn't draft Penix in the first round, second or third, I, I might consider that to give yourself another young blooded quarterback into your offense where you could, you know, maybe develop them. And all, again, all you ever need to do with quarterback is hit one time. And if you hit one time, you get your franchise guy, you're good for the next 10 to 15 years. That's what the Steelers are looking for right now. Um, if you can afford to keep Mason Rudolph, keep him, bring him back, and then draft a rookie, and then you have the the the, the vet with Kenny Pickett, and you have a rookie who can learn behind both of them, um, and it could be an interesting quarterback room next year. But uh, if if they can afford to bring back Mason Rudolph, I'd say bring him back, cut Mitch Trubisky, and then bring in another you know rookie quarterback to to, to work with the, with those two. Trying to wind the show down here. I want to get both of your thoughts on, you know, what 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 is this season in, in context? Is, was it a success, modest success, modest failure, major failure, major success? I think I'd, I'd consider it a modest failure. I think you lost games um, that you shouldn't have, that you could have avoided playing a, a team like Buffalo tonight that, you know, I think has been one of the best teams in the NFL over the second half of the season to get themselves to this point. I think they're rolling. I think it was a tough assignment. Um, I think I picked the Steelers to basically lose by what they did tonight. Um, but, you know, so that's that's the context of what I'm, which I'm going to say modest failure. Am I surprised they lost to this team tonight? No. Did you have chances to get out of this game? Yes. But but Chris, what are your thoughts on, on the season as a whole um, now that it is over? 
I think that this is a season. Oh, sorry. There's two Chris's. Oh, yeah. There are two Chris's here. Chris Dell first, then I'll get to you, Chris. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, coming from somebody like myself who actually grew up a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I think we had about six or seven years in a row in the 2000s where we made the playoffs in the first round and we lost. And it was like, well, they keep making the playoffs. They keep going, uh, what was at the time, eight and eight or nine and seven. And personally, for me, I, I wanted to see what it would be like if Marvin Lewis was gone, if Andy Dalton wasn't the quarterback anymore, because in my opinion, as a lifelong sports fan, no matter what team it is, I either want my team to be competing, legitimately competing for a Super Bowl championship or at least a championship appearance, conference championship appearance, and not a first-round exit. Because you're kind of stuck in that weird uh, middle ground there where it's like, well, maybe we should just tank and get better for a Super Bowl run and a, a real Super Bowl run in a couple of years. And I think that that's where most Steelers fans believe that they are right now. Great draft picks they made on the defensive end. Like Chris, like Chris said, it's all about – the quarterback situation and what can they do? I mean, there's some veterans that are going to hit the free agent market this season as well. I know the Steelers haven't really gone that way in the past, but that's the biggest question mark to me is I, I think that, you know, Paul talked about it in his last column at, at postaskgazette.com is how much power are they going to give Mike Tomlin if he's back next year? I think that's got to be a lot less in terms of the personnel, the coaching, uh, the talent, et cetera, and the scouting because changes need to be made. So that to me is what I want to see is, yeah, I mean, I don't think any many Steelers fans are going to be excited about a Pickett-Rudolph battle. Uh, and, and can they at least make that mix a little more exciting, assuming Tomlin is the head coach going into the 2024 regular season? Chris Carter. Um, I, for one, I, I never believe in tanking. That's that that that's how you become that's how you become the Bengals for 30 years is is is, is you tank uh there's occasionally the once in a lifetime story where you get Jer Burrow and, and Chase and it works out for two years and make the playoffs uh you know but there's a lot more cases where teams in a franchise has fallen into oblivion for a decade uh you know look at the Rams you know for a decade before they even got to the coaches before they got to, to Sean McVay um I, I think that there's a lot of examples why you don't you know e effectively try to tank um, I think the Steelers, they showed, I mean, that was a team that, again, you don't turn the ball over in a game where you're missing the best defensive player in football. You're hanging there with, with, uh, with one of the best teams there in, in the bills. I think that's a key element that, that shouldn't be overlooked in this, in this game. Uh, and with this team, this is a team that, again, I think needed to, they found their feet too late in the season with their offense. And that was a key element of this. Um, but I, I think whatever they want to do with the offense moving forward, they need to have a strict plan. They need to go get an offensive coordinator that they commit to. And it's not, you know, experimenting. This is an experiment. This isn't a guy who's done it before, uh, or this is a guy who hasn't done it before and is figuring things out. They need a guy who knows how to work an NFL quarterback room, knows how to work with an NFL quarterback and can run that room efficiently. And if they get that guy, I think that they can put themselves in an offense where, if as long as you get game manager level quarterback play, that team with it with a better offensive line, they have to get a better center. They have to get a, a tackle that pairs better with Broderick Jones. I think that 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 a that with a with a competent quarterback who gets you you know a slightly above average play. You know, and of course you'd love great play. That'd be awesome. But with the the way this team is constructed, that can win you a lot of football games. Heck, they won a lot of football games this year with the play that they had. And I think that that's where I think that this season is at. And yeah, sure, you're not going to be you know, blown out of your mind by uh, by Mason Ruff and Kenny Pickett as a quarterback battle, per se. But if you can, again, get sturdy play, if you get the way that Mason Rudolph played in the last three games, just efficiency, not talking about big numbers, just, hey, don't turn the ball over, take what's there, let the playmakers do, do the rest of the work, and your defense is healthy, 
this this team could do a lot of damage. I think that, that that's where they were hoping to be. They didn't get that at the end of the season. Uh, you know, you're again missing the best player in in the, on the defensive side of the ball in football and TJ Watt. Um, they didn't create enough turnovers in that game. That was something they needed to do against the Bills, and they didn't. Uh, and then they turned the ball over themselves. I think that that's uh, those are all things that played into how the season ended. Uh, but they need to figure out what their plan is moving forward with the the quarterback of the offense. They, that starts with finding a new offensive coordinator. And I think that that's also that continues with figuring out what's the plan with Mason Rudolph is if you could bring him back as a number two, because if you can't, I don't think you can even bring back Mitch Trubisky as the number two, even if Mason Rudolph's gone. I think you have to go and find two new quarterbacks because the way Mitch Trubisky looked at the end of the season was just abysmal. You cannot you cannot. I, I don't think there's any way you can bring him back at this point. Um, but Kenny Pickett, you know, you have under contract. Make sure you have two other guys that can compete there um, and have an offensive system that actually functions next year. I think you they showed at the end of the season. When they have just a simple functioning offense, an efficient offense, they can be a tough team to beat, uh, and that's what they—that's what they need to have. I think that's got to be the priority as soon as this offseason starts. And of course, the big question—you know, M- uh, Mike Tomlin walking off the podium uh, when asked if he—if he's going to be—if he's going to be back next season because he just was not going to answer that question, obviously, in that—in that—in that state stat status uh, of the game. Um, or, you know, the post-game press conference. But, uh, you know, that's a big question, too. Does he come back? You know, some people are saying he might want out. Whenever I talk to Mike Tomlin or hear Mike Tomlin talk or hear people talk about interacting with Mike Tomlin, the, the guy lives, breathes, and eats football. And, he, he, you know, he's talking about how he's planning things for the future for the Steelers. I'm not so sure that he's actually – I'm not, I'm not sure if he's actually, you know, thinking about going anywhere. I don't think the Rooneys are going to get rid of him if he does – that's going to be his choice. If, if, if Mike Tomlin does leave, that's going to be his choice. I'm not 100 percent sure uh, that that he do that right right now. I think that Mike Tomlin's going to be around for uh, still some time as long as he wants to be. Going to get you guys out of here on this. Um, th- th- this is what the f- fifth playoff game in a row. I don't even know what the what the list is, but the, this this defense that the Steelers have invested a lot in comes up short again. Um, gives up gives up 30 plus. Um, what is what is the shelf life of, of this defense being the centerpiece of this team and, and being the way they build everything else around it, including the offense? Um, Cam Hayward's getting old. I don't think he's the game wrecker because he was, he was battling injuries. T.J. Watt battles injuries. Minka Fitzpatrick is – I'm not going to say he's getting up there. Um, I, I think he's still got some good years left in him. But, but listen, this has been a, a core trio since 2019 now. You've gotten almost nothing from it. Um, and, and any chance they've gotten in the playoffs – these guys have not there, there there has not been a game where this defense has dominated the way that I think the Steelers are supposed to work in theory where, where you do just enough on offense and the defense wins you games like they did in 2005 and 2008 um it, it, does there need to be any soul searching on what the identity of this team is um with those three big big guns on on defense and, and where they go from here I'll start with uh Chris Carter and then we'll get to Chris Dell. I mean, you certainly need to look at how you're finishing seasons and what's what's going on there. Um, you know, I, I think you you don't you don't just glaze over it and just say, well, everything's bad all the time. I think you acknowledge that, that you know, uh, points off turnovers are a huge part of this. Like, you know, people are going to point to well, they allowed 40 points to the Browns. Yeah, well, like 28 of that was from, you know, literally the offense handing the ball over to the Browns. Literally the first play of the game, handing them seven points uh, and then four interceptions after that. Um, you know, the Jaguars game, a game where they handed them 14 points off a of turn off of turnovers and then never scored. I, I think this is the biggest thing. The Steelers offense has not scored uh, in a playoff game when down by a single possession or tied, um, you know, going back to the uh, going back to the, the win over the Chiefs where they won with six field goals 
and the defense did play a, a, a great game in that one. And that's their last playoff win. Uh, in fact, the only time the Steelers have scored uh, when they when the game was tied or within a single possession is when the, the, the Steelers' defense scored against the Chiefs to give them a playoff lead two years ago. Um, I think a big thing with the defense is, one, you need to be healthy. It, the NFL is a game of attrition. Uh, I think, you know, Chris Dell can speak to the as a Bengals as a Bengals guy, you know, that the Bengals team as constructed is better than what they finished, but you can't just you can't when you when you build a team around certain guys, they're not available. You can't just magically but, make but that I up. guess that's my point, Chris. It's like considering how the availability of these guys, can you rely can you really say that that you're you're sure you're gonna have those three guys at this point in the season? Because I like I had that thought with the Penguins for a long time. Um, Malcolm Crosby, Latang, they struggled to have those guys healthy at the same time. And had they not had that 16, 17 window, I think you'd look at them and say, man, they were, they were a, tr- a great trio that was undone by injuries. I, I, it almost feels like this defense is getting to a similar place. I hear what you're saying, Chris, of, you know, if they're healthy, they have the potential to do X, Y, or Z, but you know, how many times have we seen that in the last couple of years and how long can you trust that given that these guys are not like straight out of the draft anymore? I mean, I think that TJ Watt has been relatively, I mean, he missed last season, then he got hurt. I mean, the injury that he suffered, that's not like a, oh man, he's just not fit enough to finish an NFL season. He, he had a 300 pound dude fall into the back of his leg. Like that's, that's going to injure most people. Um, I, I don't think that that, that TJ Watt is just the injury prone. In fact, the last year was the first year that he missed a big portion of the season. Uh, and again, it was from a you know a freak a freak accident of an of an injury. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick certainly looked banged up this year, and Cam Hayward's up there. I mean, Cam Hayward's my age; he's like thirty four. So like, there's really legit questions there. Uh, and I think that that needs to be part of the question moving forward. I think Keanu Benton showed good signs as a rookie, but like, they need tough dudes up up front in the defensive line. If Cam Hayward can't get back to even playing at a at an above average level, because I think he was kind of slightly above average for when, when he got back healthy this year. Um, that's going to be a big need, um, you know, but I, I think it's tough to, to, to live off of, well, if, if our guys aren't ever healthy, we should just burn it down because, you know, when, when, again, it's like freak accidents, because that, if that's the case, the Bengals should give up on Joe Burrow because he's missed two seasons now. <laughs> like, like that's, that, that's I don't, you can't build an organization that way. Um, I do think that there's there's certainly concerns for it, and that's part of football. Um, but again, it, it happens to a lot of teams. There's a lot of good teams out there that are suffering. You know, I, I you know look at the Dolphins. You know, are the Dolphins a team that should blow it up right now because they were extremely hurt up and they lost at the same point of the season the Steelers did, and this was supposed to be their year and everything. I, I don't think you live with that. I think that you uh, you you keep the key players that you know are with you moving forward. Watt, Fitzpatrick, you trust them. Hayward is a big question. Does he want to come back? If he does. What do you build around him with? Um, that's a legit question, but I, I don't think you you necessarily wipe it away or blow it up or, or say forget all these guys because you you've, you've been injured in some in some cases. Uh, I, just to be clear, I don't I would not advocate for blowing it up. I just I just wonder how much do you invest in in that side of the ball versus um, you know offense where maybe you could use another weapon or two. There were guys that were out there in, in free agency that they didn't didn't chase because th- this was you know they were throwing all their chips in with with some of these guys. I think there's just needs to be a bit of a, a reevaluation. I wouldn't. I'm not proposing tanking. Listen, I've watched enough Pirates baseball to uh, want any tanking out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, get, I think it's just a question of how do you allocate your resources because the Steelers do stick out, uh, Chris Dell, in, in terms of how much money they spend on defense versus offense. Yeah, let me be, let me be clear. I don't. I'm not advocating for the Steelers to tank either. I think that at some point you want to say, hey, look, maybe we go six and ten one year, and we try hard, we get better draft picks. And I think the key you got to give them credit for is Omar Khan 
And the front office is round two, Keanu Benton. Chris mentioned that. Round four, Nick Herbig. You know, he's coming on as a possible X factor in the future, too. So those are two guys out of this past rookie class. You add that to TJ Watt. You got to just continue to invest in defense through the draft and through free agency because you look at some of the biggest holes to me this year is what happens next year if they're healthy, but turnover regression, defensive touchdown regression goes the other way towards the average in the league. Then some of those games where the defense won single-handedly, they don't get those wins like they did this past season. So again, I think it's quarterback and defense you continue to invest. I don't know how much better of an offensive skill group you can get than the two running backs they have on the roster right now, Thunder and Lightning between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They both had great games this season. Uh, obviously, the, the the trio of Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens, I think you're pretty set there. As long as you can add a little of excitement into the quarterback mix. And like Christopher said, that you know even the last couple games, they were playing very well on offense. So I think those things, and, and sticking to the identity, a lot of people talk about the Steeler way. Again, I'll, I'll harp it back to that drive where they got down to the three. First and goal from the three, they run it with Najee Harris one time. Second and goal from the four, and they throw an interception. I mean, the Steeler way there is you're going to run it three straight times. You might even go for it on fourth down there. And I think if they get that touchdown, it's a completely different game, possibly going into mm-hmm. the half 14 to uh, seven instead of falling down 21 to zero. So, again, like I think the pieces are there, but the defense, yes, it does have holes. I agree. Continue to invest through free agency and, and the draft because those things have been working over the last year or two. All right. Any final final thoughts, Chris? I was going to let you have the last word before we uh, start signing off here. No, no, that's right. I agree with you, Chris. Like the the interception. If if that if you flip that into a touchdown, it's a whole different ball game. And and I didn't have a problem with necessarily going to the air, uh, you know, in that option. But as Mason Rudolph, the one thing he had done very very well was not make that mistake in the last three games, and he made that mistake. And that one mistake could have been the world of difference there. Like you said, instead it's a, if it's a 14, seven game, instead of a 21, nothing game uh, you know, even if the rest of the game just plays out the way that it did when they score that touchdown in the early part of the fourth quarter, that ties the game. And that changes everything about that. You're not defense. Isn't thinking about playing on its heels. Like, okay, we got to get one more stop. So the offense can get the, get the ball back. You're, you're playing a little bit more aggressive. And also you, you would give the offense once if, if that happens, you can run the ball more as, as the game goes on. You can lean on the run. They couldn't do that in the second half much because they were playing catch up too much. And you could have maybe forced Josh Allen's hand to be a little bit more aggressive, which is what you want in this game. But when he's up 21, nothing and the, the, and he was never in danger of losing his lead, you know, that's that you're, he's not going to, why would I, why would he take risks in this game? There was one pass he threw that was risky all game. And it was, it was, it was a missed interception from Eric Rowe. They, they were able to make it work with the blocked, uh, the blocked kick on the next play. But you know, I, I agree. They're, they're, the, the Steelers have pieces right now that they could seriously go forward with, but they need a direction on offense. Because I agree with, with with you here again, Chris. If they cannot trust that the defense is going to keep carrying them, they, they, the defense has carried them now for basically three seasons. Like that, that's just that's how they've won most of their games. If they can get a balanced offense and the defense can stay in the top ten, because they were they did finish in the top ten this year uh, in scoring. That 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 can make that can win you a lot more football games and get you a better situation getting into the playoffs. Maybe you can get even get you a home game in the playoffs. When was the last time that happened? Twenty seventeen. So um, I, I think that that's when uh, the, the Steelers have pieces in place to make things happen, but they still they need a direction on offense. They need to figure out what their plan is at quarterback, and they need to 
fix the offensive line and figure out what they're doing. I do agree, Adam, there's a there is an allocation of funds that needs to be figured out uh, because I think there's certainly some money on the defensive side of the ball that, that can be changed that can be changed around. You need more money going to the key starters at key positions. Um, and you don't you didn't have that with guys like Mitch Trubisky holding up some money um, and guys like Larry Ogunjobi who were paid who was paid pretty well but was not productive this year. Yeah, I mean that's all I'm saying, Chris. I, I, I'm not necessarily blow, saying blow anything up, change change the identity of of the defense vastly. I'm just saying that at a certain point, this this theory of the case does not appear to be working to me. Which is we're going to go into the playoffs and we're going to rely on the defense as the thing that wins. Um, you know, we're, we're going to expect we're going to expect to have to do just enough on offense. I think you need a team that's a little bit more balanced. We talk about balance all the time, and, and I think part of balance is just having better players um guys thank you so much for for chatting just want to thank one more sponsor before we sign off here pit johnstown uh it's a pit quality education up close and personal learning it's a top ranked northeast public college by u.s news and world report generous scholarships and financial aid are available located on 655 picturesque acres easy access to the city center shopping and dining vibrant campus life with an active d2 athlete community um i will be back tomorrow morning uh, Johnny Patrician will be joining me, former Penn State and uh, Pitt player. Um, he's going to have his insight. He was on the final word with with Chris on Sunday night, so we're going to keep getting his great insights. Chris, you're going to be back on the North Shore Drive on Wednesday, I believe, correct? Yes, Wednesday we will be back with a big show. I'm sure. I think we'll. I think Steelers locker room cleanup is probably around then, so we'll see what the plan is for that. Um, but we'll have a lot of discussions uh, once the guys are back from from Buffalo and some thoughts uh, go heading into the early part of the, uh, the offseason. Indeed. And then uh, we're going to be sh- – we've talked a little bit about the draft. It's it's about to be mock draft season. Uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about NFL draft here before too long. It seems hard to believe. But, uh, listen, that's the way the NFL goes these days. Um, you kind of switch gears pretty quickly. So we'll be getting into some of that. Um, and, yeah, th- thanks for joining us all season. A great audience tonight. The Steelers postgame show was a great success this season. We're glad we did it. Um, Chris Dell, any final thoughts? I gave Chris Chris Carter some final thoughts. Any last thoughts from you? No, it's, it's a pleasure joining you guys tonight. Uh, like you said, a lot, a lot of exciting things to come in the draft and the offseason ahead. And uh, we'll continue cranking out the content at postdaskgazette.com. And I'll be continuing to do fantasy and uh, prop betting towards the Super Bowl. So I'm excited about that and excited to do some mock drafts too in, in the spring. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And and we'll talk to you again uh, beginning tomorrow morning. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.